I am. Whatever it is you need, whatever is going on in your life, He is the great I am. If you put your faith, your trust, your hope, everything in Him, He is the I am, that I am. He is everything for you, everything that you need, everything that you could hope for or ask for. He is. He is the great I am, the almighty God. There's no one beside Him. God is above every other name. God is above every other thing. Close your eyes, pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you came. Thank you, Lord God, that you're the great I am. You are the almighty God, the one who is over all things. Thank you, Lord God, that no matter what is happening in our lives, in the world, Lord God, you are over all. You are the I am. You are the one who who restores, you are the one who fixes, you are the one who takes care of things, Father God, and we put our trust in you. Lord God, we honor you. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We love and honor you, Lord God, because you are the great I am. There is none beside you. We worship and praise you, Lord God. Thank you so much that you're speaking to us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, be with us. In our comings and goings, Lord God, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. Welcome. Good to see everyone. Good to see some people who were having some difficulties the past couple weeks. It's good to have you back. God is good. God is the healer. God is the one who puts us all back together, no matter what's going on. Amen? So it's, it's good to see you guys. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Andy, and uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. We're going to be starting um, a new study or series in Ephesians. So for the past couple weeks, we've been uh, kind of doing some different things, and I was looking at the calendar that, that God kind of inspired me um, last year, and as I was going through and, and came to the realization that July and August, there is nothing. And so uh, as I was praying what God wants us, wants the church to think about and look to, uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is what God kind of... Um, helped me to look to. And so we're going to take the next six weeks to look at each chapter of Ephesians. So we're starting in Ephesians chapter 1 today. And uh, I'm very excited because I believe this is a very timely message for the church. Uh, if you look, if you know the, the background to the book of the Ephesians, it is the only letter that Paul wrote that, is, that uses the word church, not meaning a specific church, but the church. So the book of Ephesians is, yes, it, is, it was written for the church in Ephesus, but it was also written to be a letter for the church, the greater church. So as, as um, things then in the Roman Empire were not looking so great for a lot of Christians, there were a lot of people who, who were uh, being persecuted, there was a lot of bad things going on. Paul himself, when he was writing this through the power of the Holy Spirit, was in jail there was a lot going on, and who can agree there's a lot going on in our country today that is not looking great. 
But God is always bigger, right? We can look back and we can say, oh, yeah, you know, it was bad then. And, but God brought them through it. The name of Christ did not die out. The name of Christ did not get pushed to the side. Christians were not gotten rid of. So no matter what is going on, God is always on the throne because he is the almighty God. He is the great I am. He is the one who sustains, and it is his, his power, his plan that sets the world in motion. So we can trust that. No matter what's going on, God is bigger. And so um, I believe the the first chapter of Ephesians, there's kind of two main uh, ideas in, in the first chapter of Ephesians. And those two main ideas are the establishment of the church and our prayer for the church. And so um, it's interesting when you, when you look at it, when you think about what, what's going on, right? And so there's, so it's around 70 AD, right? And so as I said, the Roman Empire is not not very nice to Christians at this point in history, and there's a lot of people who were struggling. And so Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to encourage the church as they're, as they're trying to grow and as they're, um, you know, looking, looking to God to see, to be their hope and salvation, no matter what's going on. And so uh, I think it was last week. Yeah, last week, uh, before the picnic, we talked about uh, some, some vision and, and mission and goals for the future for, for our church and what, what we want to see, what I believe God wants to do in our church. And so um, as, we're, as we're thinking about that, as we're praying about that, make sure that we're all in one accord because when we're all in one accord, when we're, when we're looking to what God is doing, not what man can do, it helps and it will actually be beneficial for the church. Amen. And so that's what I believe Paul is doing here when, when he starts this book. And I'm going to skip the first two verses because they're just Paul saying, hey, it's Paul. Um, so I'm going to skip those two. So verse 3, it says, Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious, gra of his glorious grace, which, is, which has freely given us uh, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which, is, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the time will... Uh, when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were, when we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in 
sorry, I lost my place. Works out everything in... Uh, conformity, yep, sorry. Let me start over. Verse 11. In him we were, chosen, we were also chosen, uh, being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory and you were you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation having believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a direct guarantee in, in our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. That was a lot. All right. That was the whole context of the establishment of the church. And so what I want to do um, for the majority of the remainder is kind of go through that, that section right there. And so um, we want to look at first, what is Paul talking about? Paul's talking about um, what, what, the, what the church was or how the church was established. And so we're looking at the whole book of Ephesians, and he starts this letter off with, with talking about how the church was made, because it's important that we don't look to ourselves when we look to how the church was made, how the church was established, and how we as believers came to be. So he points out um, the Trinity in, in this passage. If you noticed, he talks about God, our Father, he talks about Jesus, and he talks about the Holy Spirit, because uh, when we're looking at the church, it's important that we look at all three. And so he points out first that God the Father, so in verse 3 it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms and with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So I was reading that and, and thinking, wow, that's cool. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms, right? And, and we look at that, and it's amazing because he has. He, God gives us blessings. God, God protects us. God keeps us safe. But it's interesting when you look at the, the original Greek for the word um, blessed. And so who has blessed us in the heavenly realms? The, the, the overall understanding of that word is speak well of. Speak well of. Isn't it wonderful that God speaks well of us? Before the creation of the world, before be the beginning of time, God was speaking well of us, of you, of me, of the church, of all believers, saying, look what's going to happen. And so we, we see that, that, that God, is, God is doing something here, right? And so there's, there's words in here that, that some, some denominations have taken and put a lot of stock in. But we're not going to focus on those because that's a side note. But in verse 4, it says, he, he, For he has chosen us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship or to be sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. All right, so the word I want to look at is adoption. Adoption is, is what God has done for the church, right? We have been adopted into, into God's family because we know that um, a long, long time ago, God, God created the world and, and he made everything perfect. He created Adam and Eve and he's like, wow, this is great. You know, I created people 
to be with me all the time, right? To have fellowship with me, to, to be in my presence, to, to be a part of my, my family on earth and in heaven. But then what happened? They messed up, right? Like we all do, they messed up. They tried to do it on their own, and because of that, we were disconnected from God. So God put a plan to adopt us back into the family. And so when, when you're thinking about adoption, Paul points out the word adoption a handful of times. When you're thinking about adoption, I have a, I have a cousin who was, who was adopted from China. I, I, I love my cousin. It's awesome. Um, and so when, when I think about that, what, what is it that God's doing, right? So God, before the creation of the world, before anything that was going on, God was speaking well of us, the believers of the church, and he was thinking about us. He was thinking and talking about us. So before someone gets adopted, there's something that has to go on, right? God the Father, just so my, my uncle and aunt, when they were looking in, at adopting my, my cousin from China, they had to think about it first, right? So they, they, were, thinking, they were thinking, they were like, oh, how, do we want to do this? Is this what we should do? How can we do this? There was thinking, there was planning, there was a purpose. They had to make a plan. God was making a plan for us to be a part of his family. Isn't it wonderful that we're part of the family of God as sons and daughters of the Most High, the great I Am? So God was putting a plan together. God, God was saying, yep, I'm going to make the world and it's going to be wonderful. And he's thinking about his future children, just like as parents or grandparents, we think about our future children, right? But before... Um, Robin and I were married. We, we talked about, oh, well, someday we'll have kids. What are we going to name our son, right? We've, we picked the name Jacob long before we were even married, right? So you think about those things as, as, as parents, and God is our father. God is the perfect father, and he's thinking about us all the time, long before we were even made, long before we were even thought about. He was thinking about you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He was thinking about each one of you, and he was thinking about the church as a whole, too. Not just, you know, what we're going to do, but, but names and, and, and our purpose and our plan. And he's also thinking about the good and the bad that we might do, right? Because as, as parents, we know kids are going to make mistakes, right? We, we know that kids, grandkids, or, or adopt, whoever it is, we're all going to make mistakes, but we know there's choices in life. And so as, as, as we're thinking and planning and, and praying for, for young people, we're saying, Lord God, I, I know that it's not going to be easy, right? And so God knew that it wasn't going to be easy for Adam and Eve. And obviously, they picked the wrong choice, right? But we, as, 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 as parents, as grandparents, we, we desire for kids to do the right thing. So our hope, we, we put hopes in that, we put dreams in that, and our, our pleasures, and we say, oh, this is, this is the will that we have for you, and God has that same for us and for the church. But he knows that even if they make mistakes, even if they don't do it right, he's still going to lavish his love on us. He's still going to make a plan to bring us back because of his great love for us. And so God is thinking about that, and he's planning long before the beginning of time. God, uh, he predestined us for adoption through son of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance 
with his pleasure and will. So Jesus and God the Father are planning, hey, this is what we need to do. This is how we bring these people back into our family. They're thinking about it. They're planning. Because just like when you're adopting a, a child, my, my aunt and uncle, they had to plan. They had to do something. They, they, had, to, they had to get paperwork involved. And because she was from another country, they, they had to get this government and this government. And there were things that had to be done. There were a lot of plans. There were a lot of ducks in a row that had to be put in place long before the adoption actually happened. And God knew there were things that needed to be in place because he knows all things and he knew there was a right choice and a wrong choice and he knew the outcome of all of them. And when the wrong choice happens, he knew how to bring us back. He knew what to do. And God loves us so much, which he freely gave us the one that he loves. So Jesus was ready and he was like, yep, I am ready to be the salvation, to be the one you send to bring the people back into the family of God. So remember, Paul's talking about the church, and he's talking about God who establishes the church long before, long before anything was created. God wants us to be in his heavenly family. God wants us to be with him in paradise. So just like a family, right? Just like those who, who get adopted. It's important that we make, we make preparation. We, we start things off. There is, a, there is a beginning that needs to happen. And God was doing that long before we were ever created. He set a plan in motion so that if we sin, which we all know looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. that's what happened and there's sin in the world. He will send Jesus to make a way for us to come back to the family of God. And so we find that, that, that God is such a supportive, loving father. And so I know there's a handful of dads in this room, and so I know there's like no sports going on right now, so I thought I would make a little sports analogy as, as a dad. And so um, Jacob, when he was um, a couple years ago, he was learning t-ball, right? And so, so he, he's learning t-ball. He's real little, and there's the t there, and, and so he's swinging a bat, and so he was struggling like crazy. He couldn't hit the ball, like, at all, right? And probably most of us have either been there, and we're like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, or, or your son or daughter was trying to hit a ball, and it's difficult, right, until you learn how to do it. So, as, as a father who wants to help my son succeed, right? So I, which maybe many of you have done in baseball or, or wiffle ball or golf, I don't know. You kind of go up behind them. You put your arms around them. You hold that bat. You hold that, their hands, right? And you swing with them. And then they hit the ball. And all they think is, wow, look at that. I hit the ball. I've never hit a ball before. And they're so excited. Did he hit the ball, or did I hit the ball? I mean, technically, both of us, right? His arms were there, but it was my strength and my aim. And so just like that, right? So, so what God is doing, God is saying, the church is mine. I have been there way before you guys, and that's okay. I will help you. So he puts his arms around us and holds on to that bat. And so if we let him swing with his strength, in his aim, we will succeed. 
as, as, as the church who, who wants to grow, as the church who wants to mature, as, as the church who, who wants to see something amazing happen, to hit that ball. Isn't it wonderful that God is a supportive father? He's, he's so supportive. He's, he's always there for us. It's difficult because a lot of times we, we, we think about God as the father and, and we relate him to our earthly father. And so, you know, fathers are often busy. Whether they were, they were there all the time or not, they're often busy. And so sometimes they're going to miss it. Maybe they missed a baseball game. Maybe they missed a football game. Whatever they did or they missed... Uh, a theater production or a choral concert, whatever happened. Maybe it was not because they were not trying to be there, but because they were busy, because they were, they were working so hard. Whatever it may have been, God is always there for us. Whatever thing we're doing, whatever problem comes along, He's always there. Before the beginning of time, He had in mind, He spoke well of us. Before the beginning of time, he's always there. He's, he's right there saying, I'm here for you. Let it be my strength. Let it be my understanding. Let it be my aim. Because when it is, it will succeed. Because so many times, right, just like Adam and Eve, we're like, no, you know what? Because this, this also happens, right? And you're like, hey, let me help you, buddy. And, and you get down there, and you, try to, you try to help them, but they're like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. And then you push them away, and, and then he goes about swinging again, and he's not hitting the ball or anything again because in his own strength and his own aim, it's not going to work. And that's how the church is, right? As, as we talk about growing, as we talk about maturing, as we talk about goals for the future, if it's, our, if it's our aim, if it's our hope and dream, not his, our strength, we're gonna fail. It's God who put the church together. It's God who put the family together. It's God who did it and God who will keep it together. Just like this letter, right? when the Romans were, were coming against the church and, and there, were, there were Christians being crucified because they didn't want to worship Caesar or they didn't want to do whatever. How in the world did they stay the church? How in the world? Because God did it. If we allow God to do it, it will happen. That's the same with us today. No matter what's going on, if we're, if we're trying to do it on our own strength, we will miss every time. But God has a plan and a purpose that he set in motion before the beginning of time. And you're a part of it because he loved you and spoke well of you. And it's important that if I walk up to that tee and I just hit the ball, that doesn't count, right? I can't join his tee ball team because I'm an adult, right? It's important that we do it with God. God wants to use us to use, to do things. And so God is always there. He is, he is here with us. God the Father has adopted us, has, has thought about us, has planned before the beginning of time. But then just like when you're adopting a child from, from China, there's something you have to do, right? My aunt and uncle spent years in China, and they went back and forth, and there was a cost that had to be paid in order to go there, right? There, there's a lot of fees. I mean, uh, Robin and I looked into adopting at one point, and it was, it's very expensive. It's a, it's a good, it's a very good thing to do, but it's a very expensive thing to do. There's fees, there's, there's, there's things. And so my, my aunt and uncle had to travel to China back and forth a couple times, 
which is also not an easy thing. And so we find in verse 7 that there was a fee for your adoption too. In him, in him, meaning Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he, God the Father, lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect which he may, uh, in effect, when the time reached their fullness, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So Jesus Christ paid the price. And we, we know that, we believe that. If, if, you're a, if you're a Christian here, you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, the, the, the blood that was shed on the cross, you say, yes, I know your blood covers my sins, so I can be redeemed through you. But there was a cost. And so before the creation of the world, God was speaking well of us, but he was also saying, yeah, you know what? They might mess up. They, they might miss it, but I'm going to make a way to forgive them because I so love them so dearly through your blood and through your sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do this? And he said, yes. The lamb laid down his life, right? He's the good shepherd. He's all those things. He laid down his life. So, so God made the plan. Jesus did the work. And then it goes on to say and, uh, in verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. So all three of them were very active and very important in creating each one of us to be in the family of God and the church to be the, the family of God. God made the plan and he spoke well of what the church was going to do, what the church is for, who we are. And then Jesus made the way. He did the, he did the hard work. He, he paid the price. He, he, he took our sins so that we can have commune, communion with God again. And then the Holy Spirit did the, did the final part, right? After the paperwork is done, everything, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, that phrase, right? When, when everything is done, when, when everything is, is, is paid for and, and the child is there and you say, yep, you're, you're my son or you're my daughter now. I love you so much. I think about it like a notary, right? Anybody ever go to a notary and they have that cool stamp? Right? That's a stamp. It's just like the Holy Spirit because that stamp is not just a mark on a paper, but it's visible and physical. And you can feel it. Can we feel the Holy Spirit living inside of us, moving on, on us all the time? The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit wants to speak through us. The Holy Spirit is, is our seal or our mark of God's family. You know, when, when that paper is all done and the, the notary puts that stamp on there, you can, you can read it and you can feel it. 
We can feel the Holy Spirit moving on the church today. We can feel the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts today, moving wherever we are. The Holy Spirit is over all things, just like Joel, uh, the, the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. And we're living in the last days. He will pour out his spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is working inside of us and through us all the time. But are we pushing him away? No, 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 I can, I can do it. I can do it on my own. Let me swing, right? Are we saying, Holy Spirit, you take my hands, your aim, your strength, because I know if I use, if, if I'm willing to allow you to be my strength, to be my aim, to be all that I am, we will succeed because, God, you have the plan. You know what's going to happen. And I trust that through Jesus, when, when I do mess up again, because there are definitely going to be those times when we are going to mess up again because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Because when, when we mess up again and we say, yeah, you know what? I do want to do it on my own. I, I get so focused on one thing or another thing. There's forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus' blood forgave thousands of years ago, and he forgives today. Whether it was a little thing, a big thing, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, Jesus' blood will forgive us again. Isn't that wonderful that no matter what happens, we don't just get, well, you, you got covered once, now you just have to be perfect. It's a good thing we don't say that to our kids, right? That'd be real difficult because, you know, for my kids, for like, well, I told you once, so why you got to be perfect now or else, right? No, there's forgiveness because just like earthly kids, we're God's kids, and we're going to mess up too, but the Holy Spirit will continue to, to help us grow, help us mature in obedience and in faith. And same with the church. As, as, as we allow him to be, our, to be our focus, to be our goal, to be the one that we put all of our trust in, then the church will grow. The church will be matured. The church will, will, will stand for righteousness, not just convenience, or not just our comfort but stand for righteousness. Do we want to be a people, a church that stands for righteousness, justice, and holiness, serving God with all that we are, or a church that just comforts, that just is comfortable? We want to be a church that stands for righteousness, right? Be a people of righteous living, to be a people who, who trust God with all that we are. So the church was established by God long before creation. And then the plan for Jesus was long before we needed it. And then the Holy Spirit was planned to be our strength, to be our guidance long before the church was established. Isn't it wonderful that no matter what happens in the church, it's God who does the work so we can, we can relax. We, we can say, you know what, I'm just going to put, cast my cares upon him because he cares for me and he cares for the church and he cares for the world. So when, when I'm willing to put my strength and trust in him, because through Christ, all, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength to will and to act according to his perfect purpose and perfect plan. Isn't it wonderful that we can take that burden off of us 
because it's on God, because God is the one who has established it. He knows what tomorrow will bring when we don't. He knows what the, what the governor will say tomorrow, and we don't. He knows what the, the economic situation will be tomorrow. We don't. He knows what this will happen. We don't. It's freeing to know that if we trust the one who knows, we'll be okay. We will be okay. And then Paul writes in, in verse verse. Uh, 15. He says, for this reason, and I love that because he, he has established that the church is God's. It's not, it's not Paul's, it's not James's, who was the, the bishop or the pastor in Jerusalem, who was also Jesus' brother. It was not Peter's, who, who was the rock that this church was built on. It is God's. The church is God's, not a man's, no matter how great a man or woman might be in their faith, in their understanding, it is God's. It is all God's for this reason. For this reason. He says in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have, never, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason. Not because it's their work. The church in Ephesus, it was not their work. It was because they fully relied and fully, fully committed to God's work, God's plan, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working inside of them, working in their communities, doing the things that they couldn't do, and keeping them safe from the powers that were out to get them. So he acknowledges that there's a foundation of God. If our foundation is on God, the rock the cornerstone, then we will succeed. For this reason, I have not stopped praying for you because you have put your faith and trust in God who is always there and who is always working. And then so the, the remainder of this chapter, Paul writes a prayer for the church. And so would you come up and play? You guys, so what I want to do uh, for the remainder of the time, is I'm going to read verse 17 through 21, and then I want us collectively as the church, as the body of Christ, to, to pray these prayers, just like Paul is saying in, in Ephesians, because they are so important. They were important prayers then, and they're important prayers now, that as, as we look to God, we will... Um, we will be fully equipped and fully established, knowing that he is our strength. So it says in verse uh, 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can start playing. So that you may know him better. I pray also that your eyes and your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that has been given, 
not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So there's a couple prayers in here. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray these prayers, and if anyone else would like to pray for our church, the church, I encourage you to just pray out loud. We're going to spend some time as the body of Christ praying. All right, so here's the first one. God, give us wisdom and revelation to know you and your will and calling in the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us your wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Lord God. Lord God, give us a steadfast faith in our future hope of inheritance in heaven. Not looking for the world to fill our wants and needs, but putting our trust in you that we have a glorious hope coming into the fullness of God's family in heaven give us proper perspective on earth. Thank you, Lord God, that we have that future hope, that faith that we can put our trust in, knowing that this is not our home. We are at home with you in heaven because we're part of your family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, give us strength and aim through Christ Jesus so we can stand for truth against the authorities and powers and dominions and every other name in the spiritual realm. The authority and power of Jesus Christ as the head of everything that we do as the church, Lord God, give us the ability to stand for him. The last one is, God, give us humility to put Jesus Christ first in our lives and in the church and as our source and our leader, Lord God. Help us to have that understanding as our source. We are your body. We want to fully rely on you in all that we do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your wisdom, your understanding, your revelation that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, give more wisdom, more revelation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we know that your power and your might is for us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you continue throughout this book standing for wisdom and strength in the heavenly realms, Lord God. We know that it is not by our strength, not by our power, but Lord God, you are the one who, who is over all. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, that you give us wisdom, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us power over the spiritual realm, the principalities, the rulers of this dark world, Lord God as the church. Thank you, Lord God. If anyone would else like to pray for the church, for our church.
if you're able, would you stand and lift up your hands as a declaration that we as the body of Christ stand for Him. We as the body of Christ know that He is our strength. He is our aim. Lord God, we want to put our full trust in You knowing that You have great plans. Before the beginning of the world, You set forth a path, a plan, and we trust You in that, Lord God. We surrender our lives just like when you put your hands up, Lord God, we surrender to you. We surrender our, our thoughts, our actions, our feelings, all to you, Holy Spirit. Use us knowing that you are the one who established the church. It is not our strength. It is not our will, but yours be done, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you give us grace when we mess up, Lord God. Holy Spirit, move through us and continue to show us, thank you, Lord Jesus, your greatness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, you wanna, uh, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you, that you continue to show us your greatness. Holy Spirit, for every single person here, Lord God, I ask that you, that you continue to show grace, mercy, wisdom, revelation, and understanding in their families, in their in their personal walk, Lord God, and in this church. We know, Lord God, that you are the one who brings understanding and wisdom because you set forth a plan for your church. Thousands, thousands and thousands, or however long ago it was, Lord God, before the beginning of time, you set us on a path. We trust you in that, Lord God. We surrender all of ourselves, all of our lives to you, knowing that you're worthy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. the great 
Thank you, Lord God, that you give us strength. All the demons flee, Lord Jesus. We cast out any, any fear, any doubt, anything, any spiritual force that is, that is holding us back from what you have us to do, Lord God. We know, Lord Jesus, that by your name, our path is clear, Lord God. By your name, Lord Jesus. By the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Father God, give us strength. Give us understanding, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the great I am. All that we need, all that we are, Lord God, as individuals and as the church, Lord Jesus. Father God, give us your strength. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One more thing before we, before we end. We're going to be doing... VBS in a box, just like Easter Fest in a box. I, I believe that as the body of Christ, we should work together to build those boxes, put them together to help kids in the, in the area, but also, more importantly, whoever wants to come help, pray over each one of the boxes that is going into a family that we may not know. Because prayer what works. Amen. As we pray, as we stand on the Word of God saying, this box will go to a house that will bless a child, will bless a family. And we know that your power and your Holy Spirit will go with this box. We may, may never meet anybody. But I encourage you, as whenever we set a date, whoever can come, whether you're going to help pack or just pray, we all should be there working together for His glory. Amen. Amen. Let me pray over the offering. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that, that, you have, that you have given us your will and your understanding. Holy Spirit, you have spoken. Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord God, that you continue to minister your grace to us as we go home. Lord God, give us opportunities to witness, to serve you, Lord Jesus. And Father God, for this offering, we know that, that your power is with us as we, as we make plans, as we look to the future, using this money for your glory, Lord God. Thank you so much for the fruit of that, Lord God, for the fruit of our, our generous giving, for the fruit of our humility, Lord God, and for the fruit of our service in using it, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you're ministering grace through that. In Jesus' name, amen.